Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Conquest and Defeat series, which walks through the book of 2 Samuel, discovering life's journey of grace, mercy, and faith. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's go tonight to 2 Samuel chapter 3. 2 Samuel chapter 3 tonight. Second Samuel chapter three, and we're going to uh, we're going to do the in, the entire chapter tonight. It's not very, uh, not necessarily a um, a long story. It's a long chapter, but we're just going to kind of give some synopsis and some thoughts through it, and uh, try to get um, get some help tonight that I really think will be an encouragement to us and a help this week as we go into the new week. But of course, on these Sunday nights, we're going through a series in 2 Samuel. And uh, the series that we've been looking at, of course, Conquest and Defeat, uh, looking at the life of David, the book of 2 Samuel is really uh, pretty much the entirety of the book is about David's life. And of course, we recall David being anointed king all the way back in 1 Samuel uh, chapters number 14, 15, 16. And there is where David uh, was anointed as king. But of course, uh, David's life would not, would not be the typical life of someone anointed to be king. If you recall, we, we know that he would move up very quickly within the ranks in, in Saul's army and the people of Israel, become a general. Uh, but then because of jealousy, Saul would begin pursuing David. And for years, as a matter of fact, for about 15 years, David would flee for his life from Saul until where we've been the last couple of weeks, until that final day when Saul would fall in battle to the Philistines. It was actually a battle that God had saved David from going into, if you recall, uh, 1 Samuel chapters 27, 28, 29, and 30, uh, when David was supposed to be going to war, and yet God intervened and stopped David from going to war against his own people. Well, it was that war, Israel versus the Philistines. It was that war where David or where Saul would be killed. And we tuned in in 1 Samuel chapter number, or 2 Samuel chapter number 1 as a a young man came and relayed to David that the king was dead. And of course, this young man thinking perhaps that the king would uh, you know, give him a promotion. Hey, since you were so courageous in bringing this message to me, I'm gonna look uh, highly upon this. But David said, hey, who are you? And that young man said, I'm the son of a stranger, an Amalekite. And from that statement, we know that he was an Amalekite, but he was raised with the Hebrews and he knew He knew you're not supposed to lift your hand against God's anointed. And that was the very next question that David said for 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 14. David says to him, "Then, then why weren't you afraid to lift your hand against God's anointed? Hey, it wasn't your place. Remember, David had plenty of times and opportunities to kill Saul, but David said, no, it's not my place. God will take care of him. Well, David dealt with this young man. He ended up losing his life. excuse me, ended up losing his life. And of course, David would then, uh, would then mourn the, the death of Saul and lead Israel toward mourning the death of Saul. Then last week, we were in 2 Samuel chapter 2. And what took place in 2 Samuel chapter 2, of course, David has been at a time where he is now seeking the Lord again. For a while, he wasn't. And David's life is a lot like our lives. 
You say, what do you mean, pastor? It's a lot like our lives in the sense that every one of us, we, kind of, we can kind of go through times when we're very close to the Lord. And then we go through times when we've kind of stopped, stepped away from the Lord and, and fallen back from the Lord. And that's where David was at times. He was very close to him, but then he'd fall back from the Lord. Well, this time, 2 Samuel chapter 2, David's at a, he's really been at a place of revival. And because of that, now he's seeking God again. Remember, David prayed last week after he hears that, that Saul's dead. David goes to the Lord and says, all right, God, since I'm anointed king, do you want me to go back into Judah? And the Lord says, yes, go back. And David doesn't stop there. He says, okay, God, I want to make sure. Are you sure this is what you want? If it is, where do you want me to go? And the Lord told him, go to Hebron. And so David would travel back into Hebron. And as he got into Hebron, of course, you'll recall, they made him king, king of Judah. And they tell him, hey, the people uh, from Jabesh Gilead, those are the men that they, they actually uh, secured the body of Saul and they had a service for Saul. And, and David reaches out to them. He reaches out to them and says, hey, Judah has made me king. Guys, why don't you do that? But the Bible has a very sad verse Really, it's just two words. After David uh, has already secured the kingdom with Judah, he's reaching out to Israel. Hey, why don't you make me king? But 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 8, the very first two words, it says, but Abner. And we watched as Abner came on the scene, and Abner uh, made a puppet king, Ishbosheth, and made him king. And, and for seven years, Abner would lead the people against David and, and lead that northern kingdom against uh, the southern kingdom, even though they really weren't divided into two kingdoms yet. I mean, that wouldn't happen until years later with Solomon's son. But here's David, now the king of Judah, warring against the people of, of the north, the people of Israel, who are now led by Abner. And last week, we kind of took that and, and walked along with the question of who's the rightful king of your heart. And we looked as Judah, they selected the rightful king. They knew he was supposed to be king. And they said, all right, David, you come rule. But Abner said, no, I'm going to stay in control. And you and I, if you're saved, you and I have a rightful king in our life. It's King Jesus that once we trust him as our savior, he's supposed to be our savior and our Lord Savior and our king, but every day we have to choose. Every day we choose, am I gonna let him have kingship in my life or am I gonna be an Abner and, and am I going to continue living my own life the way I wanna live it? Well, this week, as we come to 2 Samuel chapter number three, I wanna, I wanna start by introducing you to a game that, that the kids, our, our kids play. It's the game called Would You Rather. It's really not a game. It's just kind of a funny conversation starter that our kids do. Maybe yours do it. If they don't, they will after tonight. <clears throat> and the game goes something like this. The kids will be sitting there at, at dinner and uh, <clears throat> the kids, one of them will say, oh, hey, hey guys, I've got a Would You Rather. And everybody goes, oh, okay, what is it? And here they, they say, would you rather lose an eye or lose an ear? And I'm sitting there going, neither. I'd rather lose neither. What's the point of this game? And then somebody else, no one answers. And then somebody else goes, oh, wait, wait, wait. I've got one. I've got one. I've got a would you rather. Would you rather live without a leg or live without a right thumb? 
And everybody just kind of laughs, laughs. Somebody else goes, well, would you rather have a million dollars today or a thousand dollars a week for the rest of your life? And none of these have any answers. It's always just hypothetical questions that a kid would ask. Well, tonight I want to ask you that question. Not about the million bucks, not about the right thumb, not about losing an eye. I want to ask you tonight this question to consider. As we look at this story, would you rather be an Abner or a David? Would you rather be an Abner or a David? You say, Pastor, how do I know how to answer that question? That's what the whole message is going to be at tonight. Tonight, we're just going to preach about the two characters of our story. There's many characters involved, but two main characters in 2 Samuel chapter number three, Abner and David. And tonight, I want to ask you to look within your own life and tonight make a decision of this week, I'm not going to be an Abner. This week, I want to be a David. I want you to see what I'm looking about, looking at tonight. If you would stand with me, 2 Samuel chapter three, <coughs> excuse me, 2 Samuel Chapter number three, and just two verses to get started tonight. Second Samuel chapter three and verse number one. Here's what we read. Now, there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. Skip down to verse number six. And it came to pass... While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. We'll stop there. Tonight, the question, would you rather be an Abner or a David? Really, it's, it's kind of a silly question. Because we're going to go through this. We're going to highlight a few things about Abner and a few things about David. And I believe that any logical thinking person is going to say, I'd rather be a David. And so tonight, as we look at this, I just want to go into it with kind of the question and, and really the answer of God. I see the question, would I rather be an Abner or a David? God, help me to be a David this week. And we're going to highlight some characteristics about him that I think will help us. And so let's pray and let's ask God to, to work in our hearts tonight. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just take a minute and just give God permission to speak to your your life tonight. And then would you make the commitment, God, if, if you speak to me, God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you and, and I'll make a decision tonight. Dear Lord, thank you again for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the young lady that trusted you as savior this, this morning. Thank you, God, for the uh, many folks that are jumping on board with, uh, with giving towards the building fund and moving forward. Thank you, Lord, for those that have jumped on board the last few weeks to sign up and be involved in a ministry. God, we just thank you for the number of guests we've had and how you've uh, continually uh, grown our church, even through the chaos of 2020 and all the new families that have been coming and Lord, we're just, uh, we're blessed to know that you continue to work. And so God, I pray that you would continue the heart work tonight in each of us. I pray, Lord, that as we go through the message that you would speak to me, God, that you would help me to 
uh, hear from you and to make the decision to be a David this week. And Lord, I pray that as we go through the message that you would capture our attention and our mind. We love you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. In order to fully answer the question tonight, we really need to read some portions of scripture. And so tonight, we're gonna kind of be all over chapter three. We're gonna bounce around a little bit, but then also we're gonna even travel back into chapter number, or back into 1 Samuel and discover some things. And so I wanna kind of continue the story. We know that war is taking place. Verse number one tells us that the house of Saul is warring against the house of David. David is waxing stronger and stronger. Saul, weaker and weaker. But then verse number six says that, Abner was making himself strong for the house of Israel. That basically means that Abner was using his position uh, to bolster himself and to uh, uh, prep himself up and push himself up, so to speak. And so go, if you will, to 2 Samuel chapter 3. And I want to read verse 6 down through verse number 12 just to help us kind of get a picture of what takes place in 2 Samuel 3. And it came to pass, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ai. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Wherefore hast thou gone in unto my father's concubine? Then was Abner very wroth, very angry for the words of Ishbosheth, and said, Am I a dog's head? which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul, thy father, to his brethren and to his friends, and have not delivered thee into the hand of David, that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman? So do God to Abner, and more also, except as the Lord hath sworn to David. Even so, I do to him to translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah. From Dan, that's the northern side, even to Beersheba, the southern, and to, excuse me, and he, Ishbosheth, could not answer Abner a word again because he feared him. And Abner, he sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land? saying also, make thy league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee, and bring about all Israel unto thee. Now, as we jump in this passage, before before you hop on the, oh, Abner's had a change of heart opinion, and before you hop on that train, we just need to understand, and we're going to see it throughout the entire passage, that Abner, he is still totally consumed with himself. He's very consumed with positioning himself, setting himself up to be some sort of a ruler or a leader. And in this, he decides, I'm going to turn against Ishbosheth and I'm going to make peace with David. The story will continue and we'll see this piece by piece, but in verses 13 through 21, Abner, he makes peace with David. And he does that by bringing David, um, his very first wife, Michael or Michelle, Saul's daughter. And Abner makes a promise to help David become king over all of Israel. They meet, there's peace, there's a feast, Abner leaves 
David's thinking, all right, things are good. Joab, remember Joab? He was one of David's generals. He had, uh, he had a brother in chapter number two named, uh, named Asahel. And Asahel was killed by Abner. And remember, if you were here last week, 2 Samuel chapter two, uh, right after, right after Abner kills Asahel, it says that Joab, Joab was, man, Joab's fierce. He's angry. And there's, he says, he's gonna, Abner's gonna die. Abner's never gonna live this down. Fast forward. Abner and David have just had this feast. They've had this time of peace. Joab's been at war. He's been fighting for David. He comes back. Someone tells him, hey, you just missed Abner. He says, what? Yeah, you just missed Abner. He just met with David. Joab goes to David and he begins to give David a chewing. Man, he reams David out. What are you thinking? Don't you know that Abner's here? He's, Abner's a, a traitor and he begins to really attack him and, and David doesn't answer him. Joab leaves in fury. Joab leaves uh, very frustrated and very angry and sends word to Abner on behalf of David and says, hey, come back. I, I've got something else to tell you. But don't come inside of the city. Meet me at the city gate. Well, Abner foolishly, we're going to see, comes back, meets Joab by the gate. Not much talking takes place, but instead Joab kills him. Abner dies. Word gets back to David. David says, Joab, what are you thinking? Joab, his blood is going to be on your head. And then, and then David throws a great funeral for Abner and calls him a valiant man, a mighty man of Israel. It's an interesting chapter. I'd encourage you to go through and just read it sometime. That's the synopsis of everything that took place. And while there's a lot of things that we could discuss in this chapter, I really just want to look at the two characters within the chapter, Abner and David. Let's start tonight by looking at Abner. What are some things that we can find from the passage about Abner? And really, before we even look at the passage, what are things that we should already know about Abner? What are some things that you and I, as Bible students, what should we already know about Abner? Take your Bible, if you would, and let's go back all the way to 1 Samuel chapter 14. All the way to 1 Samuel and chapter number 14. <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter number 14. This is the time when Saul has just been set up as king. He's just been set up as king. He's already, he's been a king for a few years. He's already sinned against God. And notice, if you will, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 50, down through verse number 52. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimeaz. And the name of the captain of his host was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. All right, what's that tell us about, Saul, about Abner? He's Saul's cousin. They're cousins. Verse 51, or verse 51. And Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, the son of Abel. Verse 52. And there was sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And catch the last part of this. And when Saul saw any strong man or valiant man, he took him unto him. 
What can we learn from these verses about Abner? Well, first, we can find out that he's Saul's cousin. Secondly, verse number 50, he's the general of Saul's army. Now, verse number 52 kind of tells us a little bit more about Abner. What's it tell us? Well, verse number 52 tells us that Saul, when he was selecting people to be in his military, he got the best of the best. Saul got all the valiant men. He got all the strongest men. He got all of the people that he knew, hey, they can handle themselves on the battlefield. So if Abner is the leader of all of those people, I would venture to say Abner's pretty something, something pretty special. I would venture to say that Abner is probably somebody that you don't want to mess with. He's probably somebody that is known for being an incredible, incredible warrior and a valiant man. All right, so we need to know he's Saul's cousin. He's the general of the army. He's a incredibly valiant man. Go over to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, we've been introduced in 1 Samuel 17 to a young shepherd boy. Already we've been introduced to him. His name is David. David is just a, a young teenager, comes to meet his brothers on the battlefield. And he hears the great Philistine, the great Goliath of Gath. And he is uh, speaking blasphemy towards God. And David says, well, isn't anybody going to stand up to him? And you know the story. David is the one. David kills the giant. Notice what takes place. 1 Samuel 17, verse number 55. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? Now stop right there. Saul knew who David was, but he didn't know the family who David belonged to. And who does he ask to go find out? Abner. Abner's the general. Now watch what takes place. Verse number 55. And Abner said, as thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. I don't know. And the king said, Inquire thou whose son the stripling is. <laughs> That's a funny statement because here you have Abner, this mighty valiant warrior. And that's, what, that's the description we find of him when we first meet him in 1 Samuel chapter 14. You know the description of David when you first meet him? This is one of the first descriptions. That young stripling. You know what that means? David wasn't much. And yet look at what it says. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, catch this, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Now, David just defeated Goliath. He just cut off Goliath's head. Hey, Abner, whose, whose family does he belong to? I don't know. Hey, go find out. Abner goes out, this mighty man of the, this mighty valiant man, this mighty man of war. He goes out to the young stripling. He goes out to this young teenage boy. Hey, uh, hey, the king wants you. And you know what David does? He picks up Goliath's head in his hand, that giant that he just slew and goes back. Do you think that if you're Abner, that that memory is burned in your mind? <laughs> Do you think if you're Abner, you're thinking, man, this, this kid's got something, there's something special about him. He's not much to look at, but man, this, 
that, that memory is gonna be burned and it's, it's gonna be on your brain for a while. I mean, many of you are trying to picture it right now, thinking, man, what would it, what would it have been like? Abner was there. Fast forward, 1 Samuel chapter 20. David's been promoted. He is now over some of the armies, but Saul is pursuing him. And 1 Samuel chapter number 20, notice what it says. I made mention of this last week, but I wanna just show you this week. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 24. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon was come, the king set him down to eat meat. David's been running, now he's hiding for his life, and there's the council called together that David should be at this meeting, verse 25. And the king sat upon his seat, as at other times, even upon a seat by the wall. And notice who's there. Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, and David's place was empty. So here's something else we can find out about Abner. Not only was he Saul's cousin, not only was he the general and a valiant man and somebody who, was, uh, who knew who David was, he also sat on the council with David. So here's, here's what I want us to get in our mind today. This thought that Abner, he knew who David was. He had been around from the beginning of David's anointing he had been around from the beginning of David as a soldier. He had sat on the council. That's what this verse is. He had sat on the council with David. He had gone to war and been in the battlefield with David. Abner was somebody, and I said it last week briefly, Abner was somebody who knew better. Abner knew. He knew David should be the rightful king. He knew David should be the one that should rule. But instead, Abner fights against David for years, seven years actually, that Abner would lead an uprising against David. I say all of those things just so we can kind of get a picture of who Abner is. And our passage lets us in on a few other things. What else can we find out about Abner tonight, the character of Abner? First off, I see tonight Abner was a man that was filled with pride. Abner was a man that was completely consumed with himself. We can see it in a number of places tonight, but verse number six specifically, when it says that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. That phrase would be Abner made himself strong for or because or by the house of Saul. So he used his position to, uh, he used his position within Saul's house to, to gain more position. And what he was doing is he's using that position to promote himself. He's working on the inside. He's maneuvering. He's getting people on his side. He has one goal and one goal only, and that is to get rid of David, set up the kingship of the house of Saul, and him be the puppet king. Or excuse me, him be the real king behind Ishbosheth, the puppet king. That was the whole reason for setting up Ishbosheth. He had his own interest at heart. Abner, he was a very, very proud man. You can go back and we don't have the time to do it, but in, in our passage in 2 Samuel chapter number uh, three, if we were to go to back to chapter number two, the whole reason that Abner did not say, okay, let's receive David as king was because of pride. Abner was a man who was completely consumed with himself. Can I ask you tonight, don't you just hate pride? <laughs> don't you hate it in your life? Man, pride ruins the best of people. Pride is really, it's the root of every sin. 
because we put ourselves first. So here's Abner. What is Abner? He's a man that's filled with pride. It wasn't about the house of Saul. It was about the name of Abner. What else can we find out about Abner? Well, he was a man filled with pride, but also he's a man filled with anger. He's a man filled with anger. In our passage in 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 7, Saul is accused by Ishbosheth of going into one of, or excuse me, Abner is accused by Ishbosheth of going into one of Saul's concubines. And the accusation rubs Abner the wrong way. Now, did Abner actually go in unto the concubine? We don't know. Abner doesn't deny it. He says, how dare you accuse me of doing something I shouldn't. But when you look at the verse, notice what verse number eight says of 2 Samuel chapter three. It says, Abner was very wroth for the words of Ishbosheth. That phrase, very wroth, it means to be heated and to burn with displeasure. That's what the, that's what the Hebrew of that word means. Man, he is fired up. And Abner's response is in so much anger. Look at verse number 11. Go down to 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 11. He just goes off on Ishbosheth. And notice what it says about Ishbosheth that he, Ishbosheth, could not answer Abner a word again. He, never, he didn't talk to him again. Why? Because he feared him. And the fear here is speaking because of the anger that Abner showed, because of the, the heated spirit that Abner had. Ishbosheth was like, man, I, I can't say another word. Abner's response is so bad that Ishbosheth leaves off speaking to him. It wasn't a righteous anger, it was a, a heated anger with a total self focus. Whether the accusation was true or not, Abner was filled with pride that it led to anger in this situation. And I just have a quick thought here that regardless of the situation, sinful anger is never the accurate response. And Abner blows up at it. So what is Abner known for? He's known for pride. Abner's known for anger. What else is Abner known for? Well, Abner was also unstable. <laughs> Abner was unstable. He had a lot of instability in his life. During his outburst at Ishbosheth, look at what he says. He says, verse number nine, so do God to Abner and more also, except that the Lord hath sworn to David, even so I do to him. To translate or to bring to him the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel, over Judah, from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner a word again because he feared him. So here you have Abner. For seven years, for seven years, Abner has been in a position working behind the scenes to establish himself behind Ishbosheth. And yet Ishbosheth upsets him one time. And Abner says, that's it. I'm going to David's side. He kind of reminds me of that kid on the playground who gets knocked down playing the football game. Gets up, goes and gets his football that everybody's playing with and says, I'm going home. You guys don't like me anymore. 
So what does Abner do? Well, he sends messengers to David, verse 12. And he says, hey, whose is the land? Hey, who should be king? Also make a league with me. And behold, my hand shall be with thee to bring about all Israel unto thee. Hey, David. Hey, David, I'm on your team now. Hey, David, I just switched sides. Hey, David, I just changed jerseys. And in the passage, he uses what's interesting. He uses the truth. David should have been king. The truth, David was set up by Judah earlier when he says, uh, I've, I've gone against Judah. I've gone against our own people. He knew David should have been king. So what does he do in this part of the scripture? He uses the truth and he uses even the greater cause to try to advance his own agenda. He tells the truth about David being the rightful king. And if telling the truth will help me, then I'll tell the truth. For seven years, I've lied and I've manipulated, but now the truth helps me. So I'm going to tell the truth. You know what he reminds me of? Abner, when I first was studying this passage and thinking about the direction to go, my mind went to this verse about Abner. James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Here you have Abner for years with Saul and we're gonna, we're gonna fight against David. Then David becomes king and Abner keeps fighting. Then Ishbosheth upsets him once and he just turns. It wasn't a repentant heart. We're gonna see that in just a minute, man. He just, he just turned out of, out of anger and out of pride. Abner was certainly unstable. Why? Because he was led by his pride. And the truth is that you and I, when we become pride-filled, we as well become unstable. We become people that are easily tossed to and fro. We become a double-minded man. Abel, or Abner was a, a proud man. He was an angry man. He was an unstable man. Now notice, if you will, verse number 15 and 16. I want to just point this out. It's not a main point, but I want to point out that Abner was a cruel man. <laughs> he was a cruel man. When, when, uh, when Abner sends word to David and says, hey, I'll join with you, David says, on one condition, get Michael, my, my first wife, and bring her. So word gets back to David, send word to the king, and I'll do that. And so David sends word to the king, and verse number 15 says this, Ishbosheth sent and took her, Michael, from her husband, even from Faltiel, the son of Laish, and her husband went with her along weeping behind her to Baharim. And then said Abner unto him, go home. Hey, hey, stop crying. Go home. Go return. And he returned. What's the, what's the scene? Do you remember about 18 years earlier? About 18 years earlier, Saul had given Michael, his daughter, to David, to wife, because David went out and accomplished a feat against the Philistines that Saul had challenged him with. And Saul and, or David and Michael, it seems from the scripture that they fell in love. And she's the one who stood up for him. She actually, uh, uh, she lied to her dad about David being in bed and, and sick and then covered up for him and tried to help David on a number of occasions. When David left, Saul took Michael and gave him to Faltio. So here's this guy and Michael, they've been married for 18 years. 
I kind of feel bad for Faltiel. Why? Because he's been married for 18 years to this lady. And then Abner, the general, comes and is like, hey, she's going back to David. And he's so heartbroken, he's following behind, crying. I just love that the author left that in there for us. You want to know one of the reasons I think he left it in there? Because of Abner's response. Abner's response, hey, shut up and go home. Hey, what are you, hey, what are you doing? Hey, go return. Get out of here. And he was a heartless guy. Abner was a, a heartless man. Well, the story progresses. Abner and David make a truce. Everything happens with Joab. Abner dies. But I want you to see what David says about Abner. Look, if you will, at 1 Samuel, or 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 33. Verse number 33. It says, And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner, 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 33. Died Abner as a fool dieth. You know what? Abner said about, or what David said about Abner, that last characteristic that we see is that Abner was foolish. Abner was foolish. If you go through the story, and we won't take it for time's sake, he came back as just a total fool. And that's what David's getting at. Hey, why did he come back to meet with Joab? He knew that Joab was gonna try to kill him. And he met him outside the gate. Abner, you knew that this was a city of refuge. Abner, you knew that he's meeting you outside of the city walls because he can't kill you inside the city walls. Abner, you're dying like a fool died. So here's Abner. He's proud, he's angry, he's unstable, he's cruel, and he's a foolish man. He's been slain. That's the character of Abner. I want us to consider very quickly then the character of David. Notice, if you will, some things about the character of David. I want you to see, first of all tonight, that David was unassuming. David was unassuming. And I want, I want you to catch this tonight because I really think that it's something that can, that can be helpful for us in our relationships. Look at verse number 13. And he... It's David, so that the letter has come. Hey, uh, I want to make a truce with you, Abner to David. And he said, well, I will make league with thee. But one thing I require of thee, that is, thou shalt not see my face, except thou first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when thou comest to see my face. You know, you know what I love about this? And, and uh, again, I just, I want us to catch it tonight. David was unassuming into the motives of Abner. David didn't know the backstory. Okay, we know the backstory. Ishbosheth accuses him. Abner gets angry and pride retaliates. Fine, I'm going home. Fine, I'm going back to David. And you know what David doesn't do? He doesn't assume the worst about Abner, whom he could have assumed the worst about. I mean, Abner was a legitimate enemy. 
Abner had really pursued him for years and then for the last seven, seven and a half years had been a, a, somebody who, who uh, presented himself as an I, am an, I am an enemy. Say that five times fast. I am an enemy of David. And yet David didn't assume the worst about Abner. He didn't assume that Abner's motives. Here you have Abner sending for peace with David and David doesn't know the surrounding situation. So what does he do? He just offers an unassuming hand of acceptance to Abner. Later when David would meet with Abner, verse number 21, it says this, Abner said unto David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel unto my Lord, the king, that they may make a league with thee and that thou mayest reign over all that thine heart desireth. And David sent Abner away. And notice what it says, he went in peace. You know what David did? He sent Abner away in peace. What did he do? Man, he made a truce with Abner and he was unassuming in Abner's intentions. You know what David wasn't quick to do? He wasn't quick to assign motive. He wasn't quick to assume that Abner was doing this for his own pride, even though you and I read the story and know that he was. You know, David does, he, he shows leadership in giving Abner a chance to prove himself. I want to ask you tonight, how often are you and I guilty of assuming someone's motives? How often are you and I guilty of calling out the actions of somebody else, really not calling out the actions, calling out the reason behind the actions. Oh, well, they did. Oh, well, they said that because they think I'm stupid. Oh, well, they did that because they think this about me. Oh, well, they did that because really they have an ulterior motive, right? We say that phrase, they have an ulterior motive. You know what David was? He was unassuming. What we like to do is we like to assume motive a lot. And unfortunately, we like to assume the worst about people. We like to assume what people mean and what they're thinking and how they really wanted to respond. And often we like to assume that people are against us and our culture, we can see this very clearly, our culture often assumes they're the victim. That's what this whole culture of being the victim mentality is. It's people assuming, well, you looked at me, that, that, that means you want to do that. That means you don't like me. That means, uh, I mean, the whole race card and all that stuff right now. And uh, is, there, is there really an, uh, um, a thing of racism that takes place in our country? Well, no doubt there is. That comes along with sin. Sin can, can create that. You know what sometimes people like to do and, and even a, a person, whether you're white, black, Hispanic, uh, Filipino, Italian, I don't care what you are, we can at times assume the motive of people, what people are thinking about us without ever stopping to really consider. You know what David does in this passage? He's unassuming. I like it. I like that characteristic. And what else do we see? I find David is forgiving. David's forgiving. When Abner comes and offers the, ex the extended hand of peace, David is unassuming. And then, isn't it amazing? He actually gives him another chance. David is willing to move, to, to forgive and to move forward. He had, a, he had a lot that he could have held over Abner. I mean, really, David did. 
He had a lot that he could say to Abner. No, you've been against me for seven years. You were against me for the 15 years leading up to those seven years. So for 22 years, you have positioned yourself as my enemy. No, guys, kill him. Guys, attack him. Yeah, Abner, I'll meet you just to kill you and get you off the scene. And yet David offers, the, uh, offers forgiveness to him. He was willing to give Abner an, another opportunity. And just so we understand the depth of this, this decision, I just want you to be reminded that Abner had been setting up Ishbosheth in opposition to David. And when verse number one says that they had been at war for seven years, Abner was the one leading the war against David. You know what David did? He offered forgiveness. He said, all right, I'll forgive you. I'll make peace with you. David was unassuming. He was forgiving. I see also David was actually just straight up giving. He gave to Abner. What, how did he give to Abner? When Abner came to meet him, 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 20, so Abner came to David to Hebron and 20 men with him. And David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And the phrasing there, the word feast, man, this was something to behold. It wasn't just a little meal. It was a feast. It was something set up. David knew, man, these guys are coming in. Let's give them the royal treatment. And now here you have this man who's been king for just a short little period of time. It's not a rich kingdom like it would be when David would leave the throne or when his son Solomon would assume the throne. It's not a rich kingdom, and yet David digs into their resources and he provides a meal, and not just a meal, he provides a feast for the very enemies that he had. He could have demanded that they had been ta taken captive like Joab had suggested or, or would soon suggest, and yet he was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and to give a meal to them. Man, I love the thought that he was giving. We could talk more about it, but I wanna wrap up tonight by saying this last thought that David was gracious. David showed grace to Abner. I see this in the last portion of the scripture, and I would encourage you to go home tonight or tomorrow this week sometime and read 2 Samuel chapter three. But what I see in the last part of the chapter is this. Joab kills Abner, David finds out about it. And it's specifically in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 30 through 39. And I'm not gonna read all of this just for time's sake, but here's what happens. David finds out. David tells the people and Joab. And it's this, the passage specifically says it. He tells the people and Joab, we need to mourn for Abner. And then he leads the people in a great funeral for Abner. And he calls Abner a mighty man of Israel. Here's this, basically, he throws him a big celebration of life, a big funeral with a whole entourage and everybody. And David leads the Northern and the Southern, all those people, he leads them. And he says, hey, even though he died as a fool, honor him as the great man of Israel that he was. Honor him for the faithful man that he was to Saul. Honor him for the years that he fought for Israel. Now, I don't know about you, but that stands out to me. 
Because you know what David could have done? He could have said, well, died like a fool. Well, you win some, you lose some. All right, guys, let's go get the northern kingdom. That's what he could have done. It's just like when Saul died. Remember when he got word that Saul died? Here's his enemy. The man had been pursuing him for 15 years. And what did he say? Hey, stop. We're going to stop the conversation and we're going to mourn until dinner for the life of Saul. Man, David was a gracious, gracious man. Let's skip through these verses and get to the end of this thought because I got something I want to say tonight as we wrap up. David, he was unassuming, he was forgiving, he was giving, and he was gracious. You know what, when I, when I see David in this portion of scripture, you know what I find? I find David's relationship with Abner is a great picture of God's relationship with us. David's relationship with Abner is a, a great picture of God's relationship with us. Why? Abner, he could have been condemned for all of his actions, but David assumed the best. You and I, we could have just been sent straight to hell, but God says, no, I have purpose for you. Abner, he deserved judgment, but David forgave him. And you and I, we deserve God not even to give us life, and yet God forgives us. Abner, he deserved to be treated like an enemy, and yet David gave to him. And you and I, we deserve nothing from God, and yet he daily loadeth us with benefits. But even more than that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Abner, he deserved, listen, he deserved to be left in a pool of blood, left behind in his own foolish blood, forgotten and left in the past, as David moved forward in the future. And yet David showed grace and honored him. And you and I deserve nothing. And yet God says, through the writer of, writing of John, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Listen, that we should be called the sons of God. You know what I see when I see David in this passage? Now, now not all of David's life. We know that. You know what I see when I see this passage? I see David just pointing us to the cross. I see David just pointing us to Jesus. Here you have Abner filled with pride, filled with anger, filled with callousness, filled with himself, someone who was always looking out for number one. You have this man who deserved judgment. And yet David said, I'll see the best in you. I'll forgive you. I'll give to you. I'll show you grace. And I'll even honor you. What a picture of Jesus. And so I want to ask you the question that we started with. Would you rather be an Abner or a David? Man, I'd rather be a picture of Christ this week. I'd rather be a picture of David this week. You say, why? Because David just points to Jesus. Tonight, I want to close with just this thought. We can close the Bibles and we can wrap up or have an invitation and be done. But I want to close with two simple thoughts that I have from, from 2 Samuel chapter 3. Number one, don't ever miss, listen, don't ever miss 
all that Jesus Christ has done for your life. Don't miss it. Don't miss the forgiveness. Don't miss the graciousness. Don't miss the fact that he calls you a child and honors you. Don't miss that he desires to have purpose in your life and use you every day. Don't miss all that Jesus does in your life. Because this passage, it just points to Jesus. It just points us right through the story we can see Christ. But then secondly, the Lord did not bestow upon us or give to us all these incredible things of his forgiveness and his grace and his honoring and his seeing the best in us and being unassuming in our lives. He didn't do that for it to stop at us. He did that so that it would flow through us. And you know what people need this week from you? They need somebody who's unassuming, who doesn't assign motive. They need somebody who's forgiving. Hey, you might face some mistreatment this week. Forgive them. That person might cut you off. Forgive them. That coworker might slander you. Forgive them. That, that spouse might speak harshly to you. Forgive them. Whatever it is, be forgiving. This week, people need you to be giving to them. Hey, give of your life to invest in others. And this week, people need you to show them grace. Just like the grace that we've been given. Sometimes they don't deserve it, but that's what grace is. It's undeserved favor. So this week, let's make the decision. God, number one, thank you. Thank you for showing me you in this passage. But number two, God, help me. Help me to be a picture of you to those around me. Help me to be a David in the lives of others around me. Just like I look at this passage and see you through David, help others to look at me and see you through me. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.